The book of Hebrews tells us that Jesus Christ is superior to everything. And being so much greater, he has brought a lot of changes. He has changed the priesthood. He brought the change in covenants. And maybe the most important thing Jesus has changed, me. I was a lost sinner, far from God, rebellious. And Jesus not only took away my sin, he made me a new creation. He's made me hunger and thirst for the things of God. He changed me. The Holy Spirit lives within me. God's law is written on my heart. I was dead in my sin. Now I am alive in Christ. Why Jesus? Because he changes how I live. Open up your Bibles with me, please, to Hebrews chapter 11. And in this series within a series, we are really just asking uh, a couple of questions. And uh, the first question is, what is faith? You come into a place like this, and you hear that word a lot, right? You've got to have faith, and have faith in Jesus. And what does that mean? Well, we saw in Hebrews 11, he says that faith is the assurance of things hoped for. There's things that are coming that I'm sure are going to happen, right? And then he says it's a conviction of things not seen. I, I haven't seen heaven. I haven't seen God. I haven't seen the rewards. But I know. I have, I have this conviction, and I'm building my life on it. And what he does is he gives us examples from the Old Testament. He shows us what faith looks like. When you really have faith, really have true biblical faith, it shows up like this, right? He's he's doing more than just defining faith. It should be bringing you to the place and be bringing me to the place where we say, do I have faith? Do I really have biblical faith. That's what we're doing here. Does my, does my walk with Christ look like this? So what have we seen so far? And you know, I was writing the review this week and I was kicking myself. Because if I ever preach this again, I know how I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to change it. Because it, it's all alliterated here. I don't know how it's going to work next week, but here's what we got so far. With Abel, rather, faith worships. With Enoch, faith walks, and with Noah, faith works. And we saw last week with Abraham, faith waits. And today we're going to be looking at Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph, and we're going to see that faith wins. So let's look at um, verses 20 through 22. It says, by faith, Isaac invoked future blessings on Jacob and Esau. By faith, Jacob when dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph, bowing in worship over the head of his staff. By faith, Joseph, at the end of his life, made mention of the exodus of the Israelites and gave direction concerning his bones. And you're like, huh, that is not a lot of material. And I would say that is based on a lot of material. It's funny, because when you're going through Hebrews, Abraham got a lot of material. And then you're going to see next week, Moses gets a lot of material. But you get to, you, you get to Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph, and here it is. They knew, they knew God's covenant with Abraham. And they knew, these men knew that out of their family, God was going to make a nation. And that nation was ultimately going to bless 
the world. And these men never saw the promise fulfilled. But in the last moment of their lives, they believed. And they blessed, believing in that promise of God. They made plans, believing in that promise of God. They had, they had faith in the face of death. And they said, God's word is true. And all of his promises will come to pass. And I have to ask you, uh, what am I going to say at your funeral? Just got real quiet and cold in here. But what am I going to say at your funeral? Or when your family gets up to share a few words about you, what are they going to say? I hope that you're aware that you are writing your obituary with the way that you live your life right now. So, do you have your outline? Here's the sermon. Real faith shows up not only in how you live, but how you die. That's it. That's, that is the lesson from Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. You're like, that's it? I'm like, that's it. You mean, <laughs> you're like, you mean to tell me with everything that's said about them, you realize their story kind of picks up in Genesis 24. And you know Genesis is the, the longest book in the Bible, right? So their, their story picks up in Genesis 24. And it goes all the way to Genesis 50. And there's all that material, and that's all that's said about those guys. You're like, that's it? Look, you got the same Bible that I got, right? That's what it says. So I got to tell you, last week I was like, I read this, and I'm like, woohoo! Short week for me. That's it. That's all it says, right? So what do you want to talk about? I got to tell you, though, as much as I wanted to just sort of sit back and be like, that's all it says, that's all I'm going to preach. The end, you are loved. But I got to tell you, though, the brevity really bothered me. I mean, it really bothered me. What I did was I went back in Genesis and I reread their stories actually several times this past week. And I'm like, there's so much more to these guys. I mean, yes, they they died believing. We see that in Hebrews, yes, absolutely. But I was really bothered not by what the Hebrew writer said about them, but what the Hebrew writer didn't say about them. Like, really? With everything that happened, that's it? That's all you got? Like, I went back and read their stories, and I'm like, they had so many obstacles along the way. But they died believing. And I realized that the obstacles that they had in their life, in their lives, excuse me, didn't keep them from finishing their lives 
and faith. And I just want to um, commend some things to you because um, the obstacles that you're facing don't have to keep you from finishing faithfully either. So, here's another sermon. Write this down. Here's three things that don't have to keep you from finishing faithfully. Three things that don't have to keep you from finishing faithfully. You're like, I knew that couldn't possibly be it. I just get, I'm just being honest with you. It just it, it bothered me. Like, look at verse 20 again. It says, By faith, Isaac invoked future blessings on Jacob and Esau. And I'm like, that's all he said about Isaac? What about the time in Genesis 26 when Isaac was in Gerar and he was worried that somebody was going to um, kill him and, and take his, his wife, right? Because she was really beautiful. So he lied and said, uh, she's my sister, she's not my wife. And then Abimelech, looking out the window, um, the Bible says, saw Isaac laughing with Rebecca. Now, it wasn't laughing like, hey, you know, did you, did you hear the one about the, you know, the, the rabbi in the saloon or whatever? The Hebrew implies that this laughing was more husband and wife intimate kind of thing. Because Abimelech was like, dude, you don't do that with your sister. You lied. Why in the world would you do that? If someone would have taken your wife, we all would have been guilty. You remember that? That was a paraphrase. But where did Isaac learn that behavior? You know, his father, Abraham, did it twice. Did you know that? Genesis 12, Genesis 20. This is mind-blowing. The second time Abraham did it was in Gerar, the same place. Three things that don't have to keep you from finishing faithfully. Um, the first one is what your parents have done. And here's the thing, look, we all have this tendency to repeat what our parents do, good and bad. Good and bad. And as much as I've said in my life, you know, my father did this, my father acted like this, and my father spoke like this, and I will never do that. I will never do that. You know how many times in my adult life I've said something, and I've stopped myself, and I'm like, hmm, that sounded just like Richard. You're the same. Like it or not, you inherit some things from your parents, good and bad. I see that with my own kids. And I try so hard, and I'm so, such a failure sometimes. And I, I see so many times in Cade acting like me. But you know, it'd be easy for us to make the excuse, you know, I, I can't help it. This is how I was raised. This is the example that I had. Look, none of us, none of us grew up with a perfect example. None of us. As, but listen, at some point, you have to take responsibility for your own actions. You aren't going to stand before God and give an account for what your parents did. And on that day, it isn't going to fly to say, I couldn't help it. I had a bad example. On that day, you stand before the Lord. What matters is this. Did you believe God's promise? Because if you did, if you received Jesus Christ, He will forgive you, and you will die believing. 
So when I read Hebrews 11.20, I'm like, so what about Isaac's tendency to repeat his father's sins? The Hebrew writer doesn't mention that. He only mentions Genesis 27 when Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau. And you Maybe you know the story. Jacob was the one who got the blessing regarding the covenant to Abraham. Hey, this is, this is a great encouragement because in the end, yes, he repeated his dad's sin, but ultimately he trusted God's promise. And that's what's remembered about him. Um, three things that don't have to keep you from finishing faithfully. Number two, what you've done. Let's look at verse 21 again. It says, by faith, Jacob, when dying, Bless each of the sons of Joseph, this would be his grandkids, bowing in worship over the head of his staff. Some translations say head of his bed. It doesn't matter. It's, all it's saying is he was old and feeble when he did this. That's all that's saying. You know what uh, doesn't have to keep you from finishing faithfully? is what you've done. So I read this one, <laughs> one verse here. And I'm like, wait, 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 that's all that you're saying about Jacob? Really? What about the time in Genesis 25 he convinced Esau to trade him his birthright for some lentil stew? Lentil stew! Uh, No! What were you thinking? Apparently they didn't have Chick-fil-A, or maybe it was Sunday when that happened. But what about the time in Genesis 27? With help from his mother, he tricked poor, blinding, old dad Isaac into blessing him instead of Esau by pretending that he was Esau. And what about the time in Genesis 30 and 31? He hornswoggled his brother-in-law Laban over and over. Jacob was a deceiver. He was a self-serving manipulator. You know, when he was born, he's a twin. When he was born, he was second born of the twins, and he was holding his twin brother's heel. And that's a metaphor for tripping somebody up. That's what Jacob means. It means cheater, deceiver. And that, that picture of holding his brother, tripping up his brother, so to speak, that, that typified Jacob's entire life. And you know, sometimes we let our past mistakes, we let our besetting sins define us. And we make them our identity. And we just can't get past it. You know, that's the, that's the cry of besetting sin in our day. People say, hey, I was born this way. Right? Have you heard people say that? I was born this way. That might be true. Maybe that's why Jesus said you must be born again. So, you are going to stand before God, and you are going to give an account for what you did. And on that day, it isn't going to fly to say, well, I had this besetting sin. I I couldn't help how I was. What matters on that day is this. Do you believe God's promise? Because if you did... If you receive Jesus Christ, he not only forgives you and takes away your sin, he changes you. You don't have to be who you were born. Right? He changes you. And you will die believing. 
So what about Jacob's sins? The Hebrew writer doesn't mention any of that. He only mentions Genesis 48. When Jacob blessed each of Joseph's sons, that would be Ephraim and Manasseh. You know what? That's a great encouragement for me. Because in the end, yes, Jacob made a lot of mistakes. But ultimately, what is he remembered for? He trusted God's promise. And finally, three things that don't have to keep you from finishing faithfully. What your parents have done. What you've done. And finally, what's been done to you. What's been done to you. Look at verse 22 again. By faith, Joseph, at the end of his life, made mention of the exodus of the Israelites and gave directions concerning his bones. You know where this is going, right? I read that and I'm like, that's all he said about Joseph? That's all? What about the time in Genesis 37 when Joseph had these dreams about his brothers bowing to him and they hated him and they're like, we're going to kill him. And then they decided instead to sell him as a slave. Remember that? Well, he ended up in Egypt and through God's providence, he rose to prominence. But then he was falsely accused of trying to sexually assault Potiphar's wife. He was imprisoned and he was abandoned. But God wasn't done yet. Because Joseph prepped Egypt for the coming famine that God revealed to Joseph. Long story. But eventually his brothers came to Egypt for food because of the famine. And when they came, not knowing who he was, they bowed to him as God said they would. And Joseph said, hey, hey, what you did, you meant it for evil for me. But God meant it for good for everybody. So much of Joseph's life, he was a victim. He was abused by so many people, including his own brothers. And honestly, I think more than any of these others, it would have been easy for Joseph to start to doubt God's promises. It would have been easy for him. But Joseph knew that God is sovereign, and God uses even terrible things to accomplish his purposes. God uses terrible things to accomplish his purposes. And if you ever struggle believing that, I just want you to think about the cross of Jesus Christ. God uses terrible things to accomplish his purposes. What he says will happen. So what does the Hebrew writer say about Joseph? He's like, hey, yeah, uh, Joseph had faith. Um, remember he was like, um, yeah, the, the exodus is coming, so um, pack up my bones. Take them with you. Listen, some of you have suffered terribly at the hands of other people. And I meet with people, and I counsel people, and I talk to people, and honestly, um, there's so many times that I wish I could take that away. But I have to ask you, is it possible? Is it possible that God is using the suffering that others have done to you to shape you into the person that God wants you to be and ultimately use that 
to bless others. Is that possible? And I got to tell you, this is going to be hard to hear. It's hard to say. It's going to be hard to hear. But so many times over my ministry, I've heard people that have gone through hard times say something like this. Like, look, yeah, I'm having a hard time, and I don't want to hear Romans 8.28. I've heard people say that. I don't want to hear Romans 8.28. You know what Romans 8.28 says? And we know that God causes all things to work for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. And people are like, I don't want to hear that. I don't want, I'm going through a hard time, and I don't want to hear Romans 8.28. And I just think, oh, you you don't want reminded of one of the most glorious purposes of God, one of the most glorious promises of God. You don't want reminded that God can take this horrible stuff that happened to you and use it to glorify his name and bless you and bless others. You don't want to you don't want to hear that glorious promise. So I'm like, okay then. Uh Stinks to be you, I guess. Listen, I just want to lovingly challenge you that maybe it's in those times of suffering at the hands of others that we need to be reminded the most that God causes all things to work for good. He did it in Joseph's life. He did it in the life of Jesus Christ. Is it possible that God's using the suffering that you're experiencing to shape you into who He wants you to be and to Bless other people. You aren't going to stand before God and give an account for what others did to you. And on that day, it isn't going to fly to say, you know what, God, I would have believed that people were so mean to me. On that day, do you know what matters? You believe God's promise. Because if you did, if you received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, He will use everything in your life ultimately for good, even if it doesn't look good at the time, and you will die believing. So, what about um, all of Joe's suffering at the hands of others? I'm sorry, Joseph. I paraphrase in my notes, I write Joe like I went to high school with him. <laughs> so what about all of the suffering that Joseph experienced at the hands of others? The Hebrew writer doesn't mention any of that. The only thing he points out is Genesis 50. It says, Joseph mentioned the Exodus and gave directions concerning his bones. Like, what's, what's that all about? Well, You know the story, Israel ended up staying in Egypt and they grew and they became so big that they were like, hey, the Israelites are getting big and if we get attacked by somebody else, they might like join up with them and now we we, we can't have that because then we're going to be facing like an army within, an army without. So they enslaved the Israelites. The Egyptians did. And did you know 64 years after Joseph died, a baby was born. They put in a little tiny basket in the river. His name was Moses, and God raised him up to lead the Jewish people out of the land of Egypt and into the land promised to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. Joseph died a leader in Egypt, but he still believed, despite that, he still believed that his family was going to leave 
and receive what God promised. That's a great encouragement to me. Because in the end, yes, Joseph could say, I could say, and I know many of you could say, people have not been kind to me a lot in my life. But ultimately, Joseph trusted God's promises. So much happened to these three men. So much. A lot of lows. And you see, it would have been so easy to get immersed into all of that and then miss the point. So I told you the brevity bothered me. The Hebrew writer left a lot of stuff out. And then I realized, that is the point. That no matter what your parents have done, or what you've done, or what's been done to you, at the end of the day, what really matters is, do I believe God's promise? The Hebrew writer tells us that God made a promise to Abraham, that he passed along to Isaac, that he passed along to Jacob, that he passed along to Joseph, and it has gone down the chain throughout history, and it's been passed on to you now. But over history, that promise has seen fuller revelation. We've gotten more explanation. And we, because of Jesus Christ, have better promises. Are you passing those along? Because faith blesses others. Bow your heads with me, please. Father in heaven, as we come to your word today, it's it's staggering what you don't say here. And Father, I just believe that that's what you're trying to teach us. That what matters is at the end of the day, do we really believe your promises? Because we got all kinds of problems. And it's easy to get so focused on that that we lose sight of the big thing. For us, Father, that big thing, you have made a promise in Jesus Christ. You have promised us that you would take our sins away. You have promised us, Father, that we would have eternal life. You have promised us, Father, just even uh, in the meantime, while we're waiting on the ultimate fulfillment of salvation, being in your presence, Father, you have promised us your Holy Spirit who changes us. The Father, I pray today, that we are ever mindful that we're writing our obituary with how we live. And might it be said of us, as it was said of Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph, that um, we died believing you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This is Pastor Jeff Miller, and I would like to thank you again for listening to the podcast of Harvest Bible Chapel, Pittsburgh North. And you know, a question that I get asked frequently from people is this, how can I support your ministry? Well, I got good news for you. It is easy and it is secure. 
All you have to do is go to harvestpittsburghnorth.org backslash giving and follow the on-screen directions and you can give online to support the ministry of Harvest Pittsburgh North. So until next time, this is Pastor Jeff Miller saying thank you again for listening to the podcast of Harvest Bible Chapel, Pittsburgh North.